I'm recording here. Uh, say something just so I can make sure. Yep, I'm. Uh, I'm. So I tell you what, let's read out one of Dominic's uh, uh, birthday posts. Okay. Very quickly, whilst we're waiting. All right. So happy. What's this one? Happy completed Solar Revolution Day. There you go. Happy completed Solar. You know, you've in the. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a complete complete trip around the sun since uh, August twenty second last year. You have. I mean, actually. Yeah, that's what. That's how a year works. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Shush. In a long day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I think we have to start now. <laughs> this is going to be one of those ones, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> Is coming. You're listening to the Watchers of Westeros. I am the king! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep. Also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debt. For the night is dark and full of terror. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Watchers of Westeros, a Game of Thrones podcast. We are here to discuss the penultimate episode of Season 7. That's Season 7, Episode 6, Beyond the Wall. And what an episode it was. So much to get into uh, into this ep- this week. Uh, Arya and Sansa. Interesting things going on there. Interesting uh, dynamic, sisterly dynamic that we've got there. Tyrion and Danny trying to convince... Trying to convince Danny to maybe tone down some of the uh, uh, some of her uh, killing and, and burning people alive, that sort of thing. Uh, beyond the wall, so much uh, so much good stuff back going on out there with uh, Jon Snow and his uh, magnificent Seven slash Suicide Squad as they uh, as they face off with the Whites and the White Walkers, dragons beyond the wall, and an ice dragon maybe plus uh john finally bends the knee uh and all of this was one episode one episode uh that sets up the finale coming up next week and uh wow we've got so much to get into so let's jump right in uh first introductions are in order if you're new to the show or you've forgotten who we are that can happen my name is dominic and joining me as he always does it's my good friend and co-host kieran duggan hello hello everybody and we are we are lucky enough to record the podcast on the day of Dominic's birthday. So, I mean, what a birthday it has to be to be able to talk about one of your favorite shows. Sadly, got to do it with a British guy, but we we have to make do with what we can. Um, I guess it shows our cosmopolitan side, but but no, it's it's a happy birthday to you, you. Dominic, and a a happy day for Game of Thrones as well, really, because I think this was 
We I feel like I'm saying this every week, but I think this was the best episode of season seven. And Damn. every episode thus far has been getting better and better. In my opinion, it's, it's the best episode. Now, I know some people maybe have issues with it, but I, for me, I, don't, I, I, I think there were so many good bits in this episode and so much of the old Game of Thrones as, as well as developing the new. And I can, I'll elaborate on that a little bit later, but that, that's just my sort of uh, pre-initial thoughts, let's put it that way, <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, thank you for the uh, the birthday wish. And I, I know you're joking when you say, oh, you have to, you have to do this with uh, a British person. But no, I, I leg- legitimately, uh, this is a, I, I, the way I look at it is I get to talk about one of my favorite shows with one of my best friends for an hour or so. And that's a pretty good birthday. That's a pretty good birthday. So uh, I, I uh, now, now, Dominic, we can't have too much good on this show because if it's anything <laughs> like Game of Thrones and one of us is going to die. And I'm the- not gonna, I don't want to put it out there but it's your birthday so yeah true well <laughs> well i mean yeah well i mean the red wedding was edmure tully's wedding and he didn't die so really you're the one who should be uh should be concerned that somebody's gonna come up and just say uh the lannisters send their gods and uh hey listen i've got my door locked i'm just i'm just putting it out there just in case just in case <laughs> just to be safe uh well let's get into this episode we'll start how we always do uh with initial impressions and uh i'll, th- I'll throw it over to first what did what overall what did you think of beyond the wall i think it was great it was great it it, uh, the way that the episode flowed i thought was was the best i've seen in a long while in game of thrones i can't really think of any episode better than it's because of the way the story progressed it was it's clear that the the core element or the, the core story in this episode was what happened beyond the wall aptly named the episode title that is but the sort of side stories you could arguably call them with what was going on in winterfell as well as the danny and Tyrion stuff although that sort of entwined with what happened in the north but mainly winterfell stuff it really bounced off nicely i thought with the with the story that was unfolding beyond the wall and and for me, it, it really sets up a nice finale as well. But also giving the fans perhaps a little bit of what they want with a number of great interactions, I think, with characters who've not met before or haven't met in a long time. Again, alluded to at the end of last episode. Uh-huh. But in this episode, you had the likes of Gendry interacting with the brothers, Brotherhood. You also had... Um, well, we had some new interactions with John and Jorah, which I thought was a great moment. You also had the Hound and Torment, Giant's Bane. And I, I, and I think those sort of interactions made this episode really interesting and made that sort of walk and journey through the North more than just a hunt for White Walkers, but also a sort of bonding experience. And I thought that was pretty good. And that's not even coming to the end, which was just incredible and and again, it shows the Night King really is the main villain in this show. And then when we uh-huh. get to the end of the episode, my word, I, you know what? The, it makes it so much more interesting now because when you think that Daenerys has three dragons against the White Walkers, you're thinking <laughs> there's only going to be one winner here. Now, all bets are off, really. Yeah. And again, it doesn't look like the good guys are going to be on top. But that's my initial impressions. Great episode. Best of the season. Dominic, what about yourself? Um, 
I think the word I would use to describe this episode is underwhelming. Um, really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, the ending was great. Don't get me wrong. The uh, the the ice dragon, night dragon, white dragon, whatever you want to call it, blue eyes shining dragon, whatever you want to call it. Um, that was great. I think that's a that's a that's a crucial twist, and I think that's good. I really liked the the character interactions, like you were saying, as as we were sort of venturing out beyond the wall. I thought all of that was really uh, was really good and really interesting. Um, but in terms of the big uh, set piece for this episode, I don't think it didn't live up to what I was hoping it would be because I don't feel like we really learned all that much from it um besides the fact that the the night king can take out a dragon but i feel like we we didn't learn anything new about the white walkers or the the whites or whatever uh or the whatever we want to call them the others the zombies i don't feel like we really learned anything about them i feel like coming out of this one they they seem almost less powerful than they did after Hard Home, where they seemed truly unstoppable. Um, this one, I don't know if it was just we were, you know, we were expecting, like, expecting Danny to show up, uh, or because we didn't really lose any of our heroes to the Whites. I mean, uh, Thoros died, but he died because of the cold. I was expecting probably at, at least two uh more of our uh suicide squad here to go down probably like jora or, or barrack or you know uh char- characters whose arcs are are more or less complete torment another one uh probably could have easily easily fallen and, and so i i felt like the, the whites didn't come across as dangerous or as unstoppable as they did before plus we had the dragons in there so i i i, I don't know i i wonder if maybe the show played played the white's card and the and the white walkers card uh too soon with hard home but hard home is probably one of the best episodes of the entire series so it's hard to it's hard to argue with that it it, it just it just felt like i wanted to learn something more in this episode than we did all we really we really learned our dragons can be killed which is important don't get me wrong that's that's pretty important but that's about it that's about it we didn't actually mm-hmm. Uh, the character stuff was fun, but it didn't really uh, progress anything. It didn't build to anything. Yeah, Gendry kind of had his little moment with the Brotherhood, and that was good, and that was nice, but it didn't really, it, it didn't go anywhere, and it didn't feel like it, it, it it's, it's going anywhere. And, and so that's that's my, my sort of criticism of it. I also, I, I would have liked, and this is maybe just selfish, but I would have liked more of a reunion between uh, John and Benjen, John and Uncle Benjen. I, I felt like that mm. was kind of skimmed over. I, I really feel like this episode just should have been, should have been two parts. Um, yeah. And, and you know, some of the stuff that, that we wanted to see sort of extended in the previous episodes could have been used uh, in, in these episodes in, 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 a, in a, like a two part version of this um, where, you know, the F, the first episode ends with them sort of trapped uh, on the rock and and the second episode sort of deals with Danny coming to rescue them. Um, uh, I know everybody has been making the joke about how it quickly it, it, it word seems to travel in Westeros now, you know, Gendry, you know, within one episode, they venture out beyond the wall. Then Gendry runs back 
a raven makes it all the way to Dragonstone, and then Danny flies all the way back, all within one episode. I, I you know, I, I'm willing to let all that slide. I don't really, to be honest, I don't really care about that all that much. Um, but I, I do think that maybe even if we could have split this episode in half. Um, with the episode ending with Gendry saying send the raven or even the episode ending with Danny receiving the raven and that maybe would have made it feel that this whole uh, you know time travel or not time travel teleportation around uh, around Westeros would have felt a little less uh, uh, on the nose um, so that that's my big criticism of it is that we didn't really learn anything we know how powerful dragons are we know how powerful whites are now that they have a dragon that's cool but we still don't really know anything about the white walkers and what they want and, and that's what I was really hoping for from this season and um I don't know. It doesn't seem like we're likely to get that next week, but never say never. Anything can happen now that now that um, teleportation exists in Westeros, they can get anywhere. Um, so anything can I, happen. I, but that that's my criticism. I, I think that, that that's a fair point with the fact that everything seems to happen so fast. There's no real concept anymore of time. You really have uh-huh. to just go with it because if you don't then you're going to probably get frustrated um, (laughs) with how quick things seem to happen now when you compare them to previous seasons when it sometimes felt like where are we going you know we're not actually going anywhere we would stay in a location it seemed for an entire season but we we did learn a little bit more about the white walkers We, we we learned that if you kill the white walk, if you kill a white walker mm-hmm. and he's turned those who is responsible for turning whites that are sort of around him or whatever else, then it's, or it sort of has a knock on effect. Let's say that, let's say that you kill a white walker, it can have a knock on effect. Now, I don't know if he knew that if no, the ones fair. that he has turned will then die with them. That's fair. I, ne- I never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's something that's been skirted before. Maybe it's something that they've just thought we'll introduce, but unless there's something more into that, that's something you could argue they've learned. Definitely. That's, de- that's definitely a valuable piece of information, but I, I, my big hope for this season was that we would learn something significant about the white mm. walkers and who they are, what they want. And right now, all they really are, um, you know, Sam summed it up last week, you know, they're, they're, uh, the whites are slavering imbeciles uh, enslaved to evil incarnate. And I, I was kind of hoping that the whites would be a bit more, or the white walkers would be a bit more nuanced. And that's still possible. They could definitely introduce that next season or even next week. Um, but we haven't uh, we haven't really gotten that. They are mm. just evil incarnate. And I, I feel like there's something more complex going on with the white walkers or I want there to be something more complex going on because mm. that feels, you know, to just have a, a straight up villain doesn't feel um, in, in, it doesn't feel like that's, that's what game of Thrones is about or what George Martin was writing about. It, it, it feels like, uh, you know, there was so much in the, the early seasons about, you know, you know, with characters that we we there were some that were sure like Joffrey was a villain, Ramsay was a villain, but you know we thought Jamie was a villain, but he turned out to be all right, and we thought you know you know we thought there were times when you know 
characters like Tyrion were fighting on behalf mm. of good good guys and uh you know even the hound was the a hound, villain the hound was a villain and now he's now he's not even even Arya in, in this season and and I know people have some issues with this but you know she she's kind of coming across like a villain at times here um mm. whereas she was a hero for the first six seasons six and a half seasons uh and, and so that's to, to then just have it all be about facing one simple evil who just wants to be evil for evil's sake now if yeah. if the white walkers are pure evil that's fine but i want that pure evil to be in in response to something that humanity has done that like you know well there is we that, have, that relationship but, with the children of the forest but uh, even that but to that's me so, tells me there must be some sort of ambition absolutely here. you know they're intellectually you know, they the night king recognizes that something like a dragon yeah. is going to be of massive value and i don't know absolutely. where he's got these chains from for example but you know he like <laughs> I, loved, <laughs> somehow, I saw somebody has he been prepared for it yeah. it's, it's, it's weird to ask that question but like mm. you're saying there's got to be more to it's him got, than just yeah. pure just evil. evil yeah he doesn't I, I don't want him to to rule the world to want to rule the world just for the sake of ruling the world um which is something that Danny seems to kind of want, they, they they kind of be playing up a little bit. Danny and and something that they, where they need, you know, she needs to be to get some perspective and and uh, or or that's what they're implying at least right now. Um, but but yeah, I, I want them to have a reason, you know, that there was something that man did in the past or in the recent history that has led to the rise of the White Walkers and and. Uh, whether the White Walkers are secretly good guys, that's which extremely unlikely. I don't think that would ever happen. Um, or, like I said, they have a, a, a legitimate reason that is a response to something that humanity did uh, for being on the rise. Um, then I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to know that. I'd like to see what that is. You know, I, I think about like, you know, think about like Batman Begins, right? And Batman Begins. You know, Liam Neeson. He leads the the League of Shadows to come to Gotham City to destroy the the city because. Uh, you know, corruption and, and evil has been has, has been allowed to to flourish there. I'd I'd love it if that's if the Nightwalkers were essentially that. The Night King is Liam Neeson and Batman begins. Um I don't think he's gonna accidentally train uh Jon Snow to be Batman or anything, but you know, I, I I'd like to I'd like to see uh a little bit more nuance and, and I was really hoping that this this journey beyond the wall would would show us something about the white walkers and it just didn't all we got is that they are evil they are extremely powerful although i feel again i I do feel like the power was kind of undercut by the fact that they didn't kill any of our heroes um again you know barrack should have fallen um jorah should have fallen Tormund should have fallen i I don't think you know not 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 all of them but one of them maybe somebody should have fallen um in addition to thoros freezing to death but on one hand, could you argue that the death of a dragon is as significant, particularly as it's a dragon that's now been converted? Because we talked about the, the possibility of them breaking down the wall. Certainly. Well, now they've actually got something that could cause some real damage. I mean, I don't even know what sort of power now the Night King holds over the dragon. So, oh, I mean, absolutely. surely it's not going to be able to breathe fire because that sort of would be you know it's gonna wipe out his own forces i don't know but mm-hmm. maybe it will it's it's, a, it's an interesting one maybe that's what he meant with ice versus fire but it really opens up more possibilities i would argue by taking over a dragon than it would do of killing one of our heroes sure. and maybe converting them 
Yeah. So in that regard, maybe big mm-hmm. picture, this is more significant than if they killed one of our heroes. Sure, I I I, I agree with that. I think that I think that's that's definitely um, definitely accurate. That you know, uh, I, you know, I may be sort of you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a little bit overstating uh, my point here, um, but it it is it is just that like I think back to Hard Home and just how insane that was and and how like just Mm. how well that that battle was executed and the whites then seemed just so overwhelming and overpowering and that was you know just a fraction of the night king's army and here we see you know our heroes completely surrounded by whites and i feel like it, it you know they may have for the sake of uh for the sake of keeping the heroes alive, they may have uh, undercut the power of the whites, not the white walkers. The white walkers are still uh, extremely powerful. Although John killed that one white walker, like it ain't no thing. Uh, you know, it was, no, it <laughs> was a pretty, true. it was a pretty easy, uh, pretty easy win. So yes, they have the dragon, which is huge. That's huge, huge. Um, but it, it, it just felt like. It, at times that this episode undercut the power of the rest of the night king's army is, is more my point yeah i okay, i completely agree with that <laughs> they, they, you know they did sort of cut them down like you know just i don't know there was nothing there really that mm-hmm. which is weird because on the on the other hand when they were surrounding them they looked like they were going so fast yeah. about, so i was like oh my god like where where they got these people from like <laughs> this is ridiculous and then i sort of realized why it was sort of it was very do you remember, you know, you don't mind Lord of the Rings, do you? But it was a very yeah, replica moment of yeah. the end of Return of the King when they mm-hmm. surround the forces who were standing outside the Black Gate, Aragorn's forces. Anyway, that may spoil it for you. I can't remember if you've I've watched it or not. I've seen it. I've seen it. I just didn't love it as much as everybody yeah. else did. But that, that, was the moment I, that was the moment that struck my mm-hmm. sort of thought about when I saw that. Um, although for not, not quite the same results. I mean, unless in this instance, the eagles are the dragons at this point, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think Danny is the, is the eagles. I think that's <laughs> Danny's here. Danny's here. Yeah. Danny's oh, I saw, when I was at, when I was at Comic-Con last month, I was sitting through the, um, Dirk Gently panel to, so that I could see the Doctor Who panel afterwards. And, it, um, Elijah Wood, who's Frodo, uh, was on that, was in, was on Dirk Gently and he was on that panel and he was Kevin Smith was moderating it and he was asking him questions and somehow, you know, Kevin Smith make, makes the joke to Elijah Wood. Well, I'm sure for you, you know, any, anytime you get in trouble, you're just like, well, them Eagles can come and save us. And I was like, <laughs> well played, Kevin. Well played, Kevin. Um, oh, no, Kevin. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's, let's stick beyond the wall. Seeing, seeing as that's where we, that's where we are. Um, We've we've kind of talked about the ice dragon and the the ramifications of it. Let's more talk about uh, uh, the ramifications for Danny of losing one of her dragons. Um, I thought it was a really, really um, interesting choice, acting choice uh, and directing choice, I guess, uh, from uh, Amelia Clark to have her kind of be like almost in shock. You know, you know, we've seen Danny. We know Danny can be a bit of a a hot head uh she's uh as Tyrion mentions earlier in the episode she's got a bit of a temper but here in this moment when uh Viserion goes down um she's just stares blankly like she doesn't know 
Almost like she doesn't she she doesn't understand what she's seeing. She can't believe what she's seeing seeing and doesn't know how to react to it. And you know, you even see um Jora behind her kind of like looking at her like what's going to happen here? Is she going to, you know, she going to rage is she going to you know take drogon and go right for the night king what's what's about to happen and and it was almost like she was stunned um what what do you think this this you know losing the dragon here really means for danny i think it means a lot it's, it's, it's weird perhaps to compare her with Cersei, but I think it's the sort of similar reaction that yeah. Cersei had when jo- when she lost Joffrey or when she lost you know, Tommen well, no, not when she lost Joffrey necessarily. Because yeah. well, she, when she lost to... Joffrey, she got pretty upset. When she lost Tommen, it was like, "Are you?" It's like you know, "Are you alive in there?" <laughs> Somebody, yeah. do you have any well, feelings okay, well, left? I, what I mean to say is not necessarily you know, case by case, exactly the same. But it's the notion of losing their ch- ch- child. Mm-hmm. And Danny looks at her dragons as her children. She is the mother of dragons, of course. That's where the connection lies. Up to this point, there's been only one instant, really, which was a couple of episodes ago when the spear hit the dragon. Again, Danny was a little bit concerned, but she managed to just about get away with it. This episode, though, she loses a whole dragon. And like you say, I think part of it is that she doesn't really understand what's going on here. It's not like it is a spear in one sense, but... Yeah, when, when we, well, I'm yeah, sure that you I, well, had the same reaction when you saw it on screen. You're like, "What?" Yeah, like, well, and, and oh I mean, my God, like it is shock, and it shocked yeah. the audience. Well, it's yeah, the and, same and like reaction when, for Danny. And when I say like, you know, she doesn't understand what's going on. Obviously, like she understands like the physics of of what happened there. But I mean, more in the sense of like the emotional, yeah, sense. the emotional side of things. Like when you've like for people, um, this is actually this is pretty pretty um, it's almost it's a pretty graphic example. But like you know, people who witness a terrorist attack or something, you know, mm-hmm. something pretty, you don't under, like, you know what happened. Like the dragon is dead, but it, it's like more just like, how did this happen? And, and yeah, okay. that, that's well, sort that... of what I mean when it's, she doesn't understand what's going on. She underst- understands, you know, the dragon is dead, but more just like, how did we get to this point? How did this happen? And, and on, on an emotional level. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair the fair fair point about the emotional side. Of course, she's she's in shock, she's stunned because, like you say, it's not something that she really expected. And and I I, I think that that close bond really is is what's sort of driving her as well. Uh-huh. And the other thing with the Cersei comparison is I, you do wonder as well if. If somehow her other two dragons were to die, would she lose a purpose as well? Yeah. Mm. Like Cersei did. Although the only thing surprisingly that sort of kept Cersei going is the fact that she's the queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Although she has got another child on the way. Yeah. Allegedly, at least. You know, mm. There are some people who said that that may, that may not be true, which would be <laughs> another interesting twist. But... What do you think about yeah. that idea then? Really, do you, do you sort of see that sort mm-hmm. of comparison? Well, yeah, because Danny does think of the dragons as her children. I mean, she says as much to John. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it does kind of tie into what she talked about with Tyrion in this episode. Of you know, she doesn't want to talk about 
what comes next. You know, we we heard you know, we talked about when uh, when her and, and John met a couple episodes ago. Um, who had to the audience the more compelling case when they met? You know, it was you know, Danny had a had a case that I think we're all very sympathetic to, and we all understand of. You know, I've been through hell. This is my birthright. I'm going to take it. Whereas John's case was, we need to we need to team up to fight for the greater good. Um, and, and I think this kind of, I think what you're getting at kind of taps into that. Like, what does Danny really want? You know, she talks about breaking the wheel. She talks about, you know, wanting to end slavery. All of these things, and 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 yet she doesn't seem to really have a plan for it. You know, and Tyrion is is kind of challenging her, her her on this in this episode. She doesn't really want to talk about it, and. Yeah, it is an interesting question. If she didn't have the dragons, if she didn't have this ultimate ace up her sleeve, um, would she still fight for breaking the wheel and this new world that she wants to build? Um, I would, I would hope yes. I would hope yes. But you know, that's the kind of thing that they were taught that Tyrion was kind of talking about uh, with her in this episode. So. You know, she has that temper and, and you know when he kind of brings these things up to her she doesn't really want to talk about it. she doesn't want to be challenged on, on these ideas and that's something that I think that character needs to needs to work on much in the same way that that John had to work on getting over his pride uh, which he did this episode uh, thanks to a little uh, little reminder from Tormund about what mm. happened to Mance uh, I think that's something that, that that Danny needs to address as well, and and hopefully, hopefully um, Tyrion, hopefully Tyrion's able to get through to her, or maybe the revelation that there's another Targaryen out there, and you know, mm-hmm. not that far away from her, might uh, help with that as well. Um, and you know, this idea that she has to have an actual plan for what she wants to do to build this new world, because if she doesn't, people could just go to John and be like, well, he has a more legitimate claim than you. So we're going to follow him instead. And whether he wants people to follow him or not, that's at that point, that's a whole, that's a whole other question for some time down the road, I think. Um, but I'll, I'll throw things back at you. Let's talk a little bit about, about Tyrion uh, in this episode, because as we were talking about Danny there, I I thought it, you know, last episode, the Varys says to Tyrion, you have to find a way to reach her. And Tyrion, Tyrion keeps trying to, to reach her and she doesn't really want to listen. And yet she has him as her, as her hand. What is their relationship at this point? Cause it seems like a pretty fractured relationship from where it was at the end of last season. I think the, the fractious nature of the relationship has really developed since the end the season six, as you said, in, in, in a strange way, the fact that she was, well, when she anointed in a way, Tyrion as the hand of the king, as the hand of the queen, sorry, it seemed like it was going to be a very harmonious relationship. There had seemed to be a bit of a bond at the end of season six that was developing. And yet what's changed since then? Well, number one, she's listened to Tyrion's advice on a number of occasions, and let's be frank, it's not worked out. As Danny says in this episode, listening to 
to Tyrion's advice in her mind has led to her losing Highgarden, losing Dawn, and and losing key members of her allied force. You know, and talking about Yara and the like. So in that sense, she's got a point. She has got a point. But the other thing as well is I think Danny as a character has changed. She wants the sort of revolution idea, I think, to happen. Mm-hmm. But she's also prepared to be ruthless. And I think she's teetering on that side of, you know what? There's no way we can beat around the bush here and say that I'm going to win this war without bloodshed. Let's just do it because if I don't, then you know, we, we're going to lose like what's happened with some of Tyrion's ideas. And that means yeah. that trust really, I think, is breaking a little bit because mm-hmm. she's not really seeing the results. And Tyrion, as he says in his episode, is not, is not a traditional hero. He's not uh, a Dario, a Jorah, or John, you know, or Drogo. And Danny says that's sort of why she likes him. But I imagine it's also a bit of a hindrance because he can't go out there and just do it. She's sort of listening to what he has to say. And it, when it doesn't work, it's frustrating for her. So mm. that, that, that for me is why I think the tension's brewing a little bit. And, and the other side for Tyrion is, well, hang on a minute. You're looking like Mad King-esque here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get through to you and it's not working. So I have to challenge you now in a similar way that sort of Danny put the question to Varys earlier in the season of saying, well, if you think I'm doing wrong, will you challenge me? And, and Varys nods his head and said he will. Well, this is what Tyrion's doing in this episode. He's challenging her. And guess what? She's not liking it. Yeah. And that's... I think that's a trait of Danny as much as anything. But I think Tyrion's got a point. Will it will it get through to our next episode with the meeting with Cersei? I sort of hope it does, but at this stage, sort of all bets are off, really. Like you say, she's clearly not listening to Tyrion. She went off on her dragons to do her own thing, regardless of what Tyrion said. So, like you say, I think fractious is the definition of their relationship. Mm-hmm. It, it's this whole season, their relationship, even actually going back to the end of last season, has been kind of. Uh, it's one that I've struggled with because I feel like a lot of what Tyrion is saying is the right ideas, but they never seem to work. Uh, and, and the only things that seem to work are when Danny goes out there and actually uses her dragons and, you know, is, is, uh, you know, is, is a lot more, uh, you know, like you said, mad queen esque. Um, she, she, uh, you know, we looked go back to the end of last season. You know, Tyrion had this big grand plan with the the slavers. You know, he was you know saying you have to end slavery in seven years, and it didn't work. And really, the only thing that worked was uh, Danny showing up with her three dragons and burning a couple of slaver ships, and then making the slavers surrender. That and then Tyrion was able to make the slavers surrender at that point, essentially. Um, and even then, they they kill, killed two out of three. Then this season, you know, Tyrion has this big grand plan. They're going to take Casterly Rock. They're going to, uh, they're going to siege King's Landing, and they wind up losing Dorne, Heart, Highgarden, and a big chunk of the uh, the Greyjoy fleet. And 
then the only thing that gets results is when Danny flies out there with her dragon and, and attacks the, uh, the Lannister forces. And so it's, it's a, it's, it's such a weird dynamic to me is in that, you know, Tyrion seems to have these great ideas and yet they never seem to work. And so it's, you can definitely understand from Danny's perspective, you know, it, it's, it, it, you know, like, like Olena told her, you know, don't listen to these clever men. And, and yet what Tyrion is really trying to do is build this new world that Danny says she wants to do that Danny wants to do. And the only, but the only way they seem to get any results is by resorting to old tactics uh, of, of burning people alive. And, you know, you know, people have pointed out to us, you know, we talked when, when we talked about that, you know, that it was, you know, it was a military target. It wasn't a civilian target. So, you know, it, 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 it's not, you know, Danny wasn't, you know, going quite um, full, uh, full Mad King type, uh, type behavior there. But it, it's still, to me, you know, you're still burning people alive. Yeah, they're the, the Lannister soldiers, but it's, it's, it's still a, that sequence was so brutal and then the way they shot it was so brutal um that it, to then that that, that it, to then assume that you know people are just going to follow danny that that she's going to inspire people uh, that doesn't that doesn't really work because the only people who the only time the lannister forces actually bent the knee was when they were threatened by the dragon and you know Tyrion makes the right case to her you know joffrey was feared tywin was feared but nobody really loved these leaders and at the end of the day you almost need somebody who's you know ned stark like who you know people know is a great warrior and should be feared um and yet he is still respected and, and beloved and and yeah he got his head chopped and yet he off, got so. his head chopped off so you know it's such a it's such a it's a tough thing to to work out and like Tyrion says I like that Tyrion acknowledged this that if they do want to um build a new world it can't be done instantaneously it's a long process that really Danny and and John and and whoever else survives the series they only really get to start the process mm-hmm. uh we won't know if they actually succeed or not we we can assume and have our sort of perfect world vision where where they they do create this new utopian esque society but really um they can only do so much in one lifetime you know people change is slow change takes a lot of time and um I, I thought that was a, an interesting point of Tyrion's to acknowledge. And, and I, I hope that, you know, in, in, in next week's episode that, that we, that something happens that kind of helps mend this relationship. Um, whether it's, uh, it's having Jon Snow there uh, in sort of full, uh, full committed at a full committed capacity or, or, or what it is, but I hope something happens next week where they 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 wind up if not on the same page but on a closer page than they are right now where she really isn't listening to him and is almost accusing him of treason almost like she's just stopping short mm. it's it's is i think it's, it's i think it's fascinating dynamic to be honest looking at those two characters and how it's all sort of changed because really you would have thought that of all of the characters at the start of the season that they would be some of the, they'd be the two of the closest really 
uh, based on the end of last season. But it's not really panned out that way. And uh, I like how some of these relationships, a bit like when we'll come on to Arya and Sansa a little bit later, aren't quite panning out how we thought they would. Um, and it makes it interesting. But I feel like Danny's got to sort of trust Tyrion next episode. That's my big fear is... The one thing Tyrion also said in this episode was that I know my family. He knows what the Lannisters are like. He knows that Jamie's one to trust and that Cersei will try and put pressure on Danny by saying something that will provoke her. Mm-hmm. She's very good at that. And, and Tyrion there is giving wise counsel. And yet Danny's, I think, ignoring it in part because it's a bit of a hit to her ego, I think, actually, is the sort of, what do you mean I get tempered, you know? I don't get whatever. (laughs) That's sort of her attitude, rather than thinking, oh, maybe I should actually listen to what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. (laughs) I'm with you. Uh, Let's talk about, uh, about Arya and Sansa, since you brought them up. Um, this, This was an interesting episode for them, and I know a lot of people have not, have had have had some issues with the way their uh, dynamic has been playing out, and and maybe I'm just stupid, but I, I I've kind of I've kind of enjoyed it, and and I've found it kind of I know some people find it kind of unbelievable, but I, I don't know I I do kind of I can understand this idea of two people who didn't really get along when they were children. They never got along. They 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 they. they didn't like each other as, as kids and then they they're reunited and they feel like they should be on the same side um and yet they're so distant from each other that mm. like they don't actually talk to each other when it come from two different walks of life mm-hmm. really as well yeah and, and so, look at their two stories oh absolutely absolutely and so they have these sort of caricature versions of each other in their minds from when they were children. And I think that what they see in each other is just sort of a, a more grown up version of that caricature. And yeah, if, if they sat down and had an, a real conversation or if that Dick brand Stark came in and was just like, Hey, everybody listen, this happened to her. This happened to her. You two figure out your shit and, and, and get to just, Work together. I mean, I mean that, that would um, be the easy thing to do, that's but the, the easy less way. interesting version. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I do agree, where is Brian Stark? What is he doing during his time? But anyway, he's just, he's just off in the he's just off in a corner being a dick. Um, well, he's by that tree, probably. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, that's probably what he's doing. Um, but but it, but this idea that they don't really talk to each other because they don't they weren't ever really that close, and now that they're back together, I, I, in a way it's it's almost unrealistic that they would be really close again mm. because they're they come and again this is just my interpretation of it and I, I know a lot of people have had issues with it but if they've come from these very they they started together didn't get along went off on very separate journeys had they both had their their terrible terrible experiences these horrible things that have happened to them they've worked past it and they've wound up essentially back at the same place and and they're both in positions of relative power right now you know Sansa's lady of winterfell arya is a is a badass assassin um and, and so there isn't 
in the moment there isn't anything that immediately brings them together this you know and you can make the same case that you know john and sansa didn't really get along but in the moment that they finally reunited they were both you know just coming off the worst experiences of their life sansa being raped john being murdered uh and so they're not at the lowest low they've passed the lowest low and they're on the rise but they're still pretty low and there's something that uh makes them work together there isn't that for Arya and sansa and so they're they've kind of gone back to their they've fallen back into their old roles of not really communicating with each other and talking to each other um and that's led to this sort of uh, again, a very fractured relationship uh, that we see in this episode where they don't trust each other is that they haven't. It's probably because they haven't talked to each other. Sansa probably doesn't really know. Obviously, she doesn't know what Arya has been through. I mean, she finds her little briefcase of faces there and has no idea what's going on. Uh, Arya almost certainly doesn't know what happened to Sansa um, when she was Ramsay's prisoner. Um. Mm. Or even when evident or she doesn't know about the emotional abuse and physical abuse, just the abuse in general she took from the Lannisters. Um, And uh, so she's so they they kind of just see these caricatures of each other and something has to happen to either bring them together, whether that's Bran coming in and smacking them both both and sitting them down and being like, this is what has happened to each other. Work your shit out or. Uh, they, that brand that needs to happen. They, something needs to happen uh, externally that makes them do that. Uh, whether that is some sort of uh, you know, challenge from one to the other, uh, or we are going to find out that they actually did that, and this whole thing that's going on right now is uh, is an elaborate ruse to get Littlefinger. Um, but yeah, that's sort of that's my, that's my read on, on the situation there. Uh, what did you think of of what went down between Arya and Sansa? I think you described it best by saying it was believable. It was. I think that although it might have seen last week maybe not to understand completely the significance of Arya reading that letter that Sansa wrote to Jon asking him to to bend the knee to Joffrey, I think when you when both characters were speaking to each other in this episode, it was interesting, and and you could see the two sides really. You had Arya on one side accusing Sansa of betraying the family, and the, 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 you know, for example, Sansa didn't know that Arya was there the day that Ned Stark was executed. So Arya's got that one perspective of seeing Sansa there as well and putting a lot of these ideas together and, and, and creating a different story to what we see the same way that I guess Sansa's looking at Arya and thinking, you know, Arya, she thinks Arya is going to betray the family because, because of her nature of the fact that she's unpredictable. She's got these powers now, but she's also has the reputation of not really listening to orders and, and she does her own thing. And, and that makes her, dangerous in Sansa's mind and that unpredictability that, that Sansa's afraid of is the fact that Arya is going to tell the Northern Lords what's what mm-hmm. and then they're all going to no longer side with, let's be honest, it's more that they're not going to side with Sansa than John that she's worried about because I think that Well, I think what if, Ar- if, I think if John returns, mm-hmm. I think they would still side with him but I think she's afraid that 
it's not going to end up that way. And she, I think, is still trying to build as little fingers, been planting little ideas in her mind, a sort of loyal base. What did she say to Ari when they had that confrontation? It's like, I've got hundreds of people who are loyal to me, mm-hmm. not to us, not to the Starks, to me, is, yeah. is the phrase she uses. Well, I think, I think that's interesting. Well, I think, I think what, that tells what, you a little bit about where her ambitions lie still. Well, yeah, I, I think what Littlefinger is, is doing here is he wants he wants Sansa, Sansa to feel isolated from from anyone who isn't him. That's why he that's mm-hmm. why he's he's he let Arya find that note. That's why he basically encourages her to send Brienne away, which mm. uh, I think people are going to wind up regretting next week. Um, and and there's also a theory out there that John has been sending ravens to uh, Winterfell. They've been teleporting, um, and he's been catching them and and keeping the notes to himself, essentially. Oh. And that's why she hasn't heard from him in weeks, so that she feels isolated, and and, and so she wants to build up, like you said, a base that's loyal to her, so that she and and we know that Sansa has eyes for something bigger than Winterfell. She, we know she she would she sees her still sees herself on the Iron Throne, or at least that's what Arya says she thinks. Um, and so I think Littlefinger's hope is by isolating Sansa so that he's the only person that she can turn to, um, when she is finally ready to accept this truth that she wants the Iron Throne, she'll go to him and they can work together. And, uh, whether Which, that to be means fair, I think this episode's already demonstrating that yeah. it's close to that point, really, because oh, yeah. it, not just the scene itself, but the nature of it when she's there shutting all the doors. It's only those two speaking to each other. She yeah. doesn't trust anybody now. Unsurprisingly, the one person who you would you should trust the least is the one that she's putting a lot of her trust in now. Yeah. So yeah. And, so she's listening doesn't. to as a mentor. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't trust anybody at Winterfell, and the I think if Littlefinger really is hoarding uh john's letters um he uh then then the situation there i think is something more to the effect of he he then wants her to 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 become so frustrated with john that she doesn't want to to work with him anymore because right now she is his representative there Mm -hmm. um and that was kind of the the issue Last so week. do you also think then that Littlefinger's been planting the seeds so that when John does return, he's hoping that the the he can stoke a sort of discord between Sansa and John, and then when John tries to rally the troops on his side, they all go to Sansa. Well, I think I think I think Littlefinger has definitely his he wants to fracture he wants to break Sansa away he wants to put Sansa in a situation where she has all of the support. Uh, that she needs from the Northern Lords, uh, so that she can break off from John, whether John is there or not. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's really. I think if John came back tomorrow, um, then Littlefinger would have to adjust his plans a little bit. Like it would, he would have to be maybe be even more subtle, but it would still. The end game is the same, and and the the tactics are the same. They're just slightly tweaked depending on who is actually present at Winterfell. Um, and, and when they're actually there. So that's kind of, uh, that's, that's what I think the situation is here. Now, do you think there's a chance that Arya and Sansa are just, they're just messing with Littlefinger? They're just, um, saying, uh, you know, they're just, they're, this is all a ruse. This is all something to, to trap him. Well, 
I don't believe it, to be honest. I don't see it. Like, yeah, why, it it's there, one there are of certain those... things, certain parts in this episode, that, like, you know, sending, well, I mean, maybe sending Brianna away isn't a bad thing. It could, it could sort of work in that plan of like, well, we don't want Brianne here because she'll, she might interfere in that way. But I feel like Sansa's emotions in this episode made it seem genuine. She genuinely seemed worried and concerned, fearful. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that speaks to Sophie Turner's performance. And also, why would she... Why I know Arya gives Sansa the knife at the end, but why would she need to go to such an elaborate part of saying, "Oh, you know, I could take your face"? And Sansa was the one who actually went into that room to spy on on Arya. Yeah, all of it just seems a little bit too. It would be a little, yeah, it's such it's such a weird almost to then say, "Oh, look, by the way, this was all a ruse," because you know it's not as if little fingers watching them constantly. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like if if it is all a ruse, then this season. Then, then they, then I think they've kind of fucked up the storyline this season because they went because that's a, those are extraordinary lengths to go to that that route. But I also think that the tell that it might be a ruse is what you just mentioned that Arya gives her the knife. She hands it over. She's threatening Sansa, and then she hands her the knife. She doesn't put it down. She doesn't holster it. She hands it to Sansa like, "You do something with this." And, and there's so there's something to that moment. I don't know what it is. I don't have a theory or anything. Um, but that that moment is key. What it means, we'll find out next week. It'd be interesting to see how this all falls out. I will say this much, though. <laughs> there are a number of things that could happen next episode. And I'm, I'm still thinking, is there any way that little thing is going to survive? I really <laughs> don't think he will. I'm shocked I think, he's I think, still I think alive. He's done... I'm shocked he's still I thought he was dead four weeks ago. Like, I'm shocked he's still here. Well, after the brand thing, I thought he was gone. Yeah, he yeah. somehow managed to again. He sort of found a way to create chaos, and he's and he's kept himself in the game for now, and I, and but I, not I, for much longer. And, and I do yeah. think that's going to be the the what settles it next week is is it's going to be Bran. I think Bran's going to have a word with his sisters and and make them confront what's going on, and then they'll realize they'll realize oh it was Littlefinger the whole time, and then they'll lay a trap for him. I do think that's how it's going to play out. Um, but uh, do you think, based on what this is going to happen here, that they might take his face? Take Littlefinger's face. Ooh, yeah, that would be cool if if they took Littlefinger's face and then they like went back to the capital and like Arya's in the capital next season and like if, if Cersei survives, then Arya could kill Cersei like because she's like the only person left on the list. It'd be great. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, I'd like it because I like Aiden Gillen as an actor, so it yeah. gives him another. Oh yeah, it's it's a great back. it's a great cheat, uh, you know, it's a great cheat, so they can keep that you can keep Aiden Gillen around, and uh, you know, uh, kill off his character because his character needs to go. <laughs> he yeah. needs to go. His he's he's come to an end. He's he's got to come to an end soon. Um, I mean, I, I want to see your reaction if he doesn't die next episode. Oh, <laughs> I, you know, I, <laughs> next episode, if he doesn't die and if Cersei doesn't die, um, this season will have gone so different than I thought it would. Um, but hey, that that's also a good thing. That's also a good thing. So um, don't get me wrong on that on that front. Um, let's. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about 
the uh, the conversation that that John and Barrick have in this episode. We're going to kind of circle back to the wall here um, because it, it it was really interesting to have these two guys that both have literally died and been resurrected um, by uh, by practitioners of by practitioners of the Lord of Light. Um, what what did you think about what Barrick said about you know? that they have some bigger purpose, but they don't know what it is or that maybe their purpose is to kill the night King. I personally, I thought this was setting up Barrack realizing his purpose was to die so that John could escape, <laughs> but um, evidently not. Uh, what did you think of that conversation? I thought it, it, it put it, it definitely puts more questions on the table, doesn't it? About what it, why, why those two in particular have, have survived, and you're trying to find the connections, really. But well, you could actually you could add Benjamin Stark in a way to that, couldn't you? Because yep. he should have died, <laughs> yet somehow he's managed to survive in a different sort of way. And no, a lot of it seems to link to the sort of Stark heritage, but I mean, there's <laughs> been a lot of Starks that have died as well. So it's it's. I think the notion of it, it, it seems very real world, doesn't it, in a way of, you know, why you're sort of following a God, yet we don't know what the purpose is or what our purpose or role is supposed to be. So why on earth are we following this God? It's one of those things where you can't deny the power, but why why are they there? And and the fire element makes me think there's a connection to the White Walkers that they are almost going to be the adversaries that they have to be the adversaries of them, and, and I think it's sort of visually showcased with Beric's sword really it can just light up like a lightsaber, just flames all around it. Um, but you know now Forrest has died. Uh, I don't know. Does that does that make it? It certainly makes him more vulnerable now. It sort of makes it the sort of last stand. It has the last stand feel to it, as though they are ready for a particular moment now. They they can't keep resurrecting anymore. Yeah. This is it. Again, I thought this that, is their final moment. I, the Armageddon. I, yeah, I had that same thought, and again, I thought it was going to relate to this episode. That this was, you know, Thoros dies. All right, it's time for Barrack's last stand. Um, but. Alas, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it, what do you think, man? Uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely a, it's a it was an interesting conversation that those characters had, and I I I, I in a way I think they kind of speak for the audience there. Like we don't know what their purpose is. Like with John, we have a bit of a sense. We have a bit of a sense of what his purpose is, or at the very least, we know he's around because there are so many. Uh, or he has to stay around because there's so many mysteries surrounding him. You know, we, we, what is the significance of him being, uh, the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark? Um, and if he dies, the significance of that, that becomes an interesting footnote. It's not significant. Um, which is why, you know, two seasons ago, it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to die, but, or he wasn't going to stay dead. Uh, but with Barrick, we don't really know. For some reason, he keeps getting resurrected. He's been resurrected six times now. And so I think it's kind of a thing where it shows that the characters in the audience feel the same way, that they don't know what they're fighting for and, and, and what, their, what their role is in all of this, but it's something that needs to be figured out. 
Um, so before we have a look at the uh, at the next time trailer, uh, I want to talk about the uh, the last scene of the episode. Or I guess not the last scene. The last scene is the dragon. Um, which, by the way, I know you mentioned the the Night King with his uh, with his four giant chains. I saw there was a there was a tweet that was going around. Uh, there was somebody tweeted. Um, you know, the, the Night King's like, yes, of course, I have four giant chains just lying around. You mean you don't? <laughs> that was pretty, uh, was pretty clever, whoever, whoever came up with that. Um, but this final scene between John and Danny, uh, what is it that finally pushed John over the edge, do you think, that made him swear fealty and, and um, metaphorically bend the knee, uh, if not uh, physically bend the knee? I think it was a realization, really, a sort of a, a, a almost an epiphany moment. Really, you could argue that he's that after everything that's happened, after everything that he's seen, he need he recognizes that he needs Danny. Uh-huh. He also has developed a very close bond with Danny as a person. I think that he cares about her. Um, not hmm, is it Igra esque? Don't know yet. It might get to that stage, though. <laughs> he really does care for her. Um, and then the other thing, which you mentioned earlier, was the sort of pride element. That that was what he had before, really. That he wouldn't do it because of his pride. And, and Torment made the point of saying, hey, look, look what happened to Mance. Uh-huh. He, he didn't bend the knee, and he got burnt at the stake. And then look at what happened to the rest of us. You know, it didn't help us. Yeah, and it was interesting. I think you've also made the point of the irony of the whole thing, which is that John was the one calling Bantz out for his pride, and now it's Tormund calling John out for his pride. It's sort of a weird circle that's, that's come together. So I think it, just a, it was an amalgamation of factors, but the, the, the tipping point clearly was what happened beyond the wall with the Night King and. And, and I think the death of the dragon as well really hits him. And he seemed as shocked about that as, as Danny did in one respect. He just dealt with it in a different well, way of being very angry and, uh, yeah. well, and, I mean, and doing what John does when he's in those situations. For for John, that's essentially his cousin. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, his cousin who just got killed. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I think the other thing is that Danny um, also, she, 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 she she like she said she saw what happened and now she is fully committed to his cause and now they have you know they have this shared cause and they both agree this is the number one threat and and now that they're on that same page because i think part of what what was keeping john from doing it before was not only the pride element of it but also the fact that you know he didn't want to distract from the real enemy he didn't want to have to go south and fight these wars for danny in order uh, uh, in order for her to come eventually get around to dealing with the night king i think he he needed her to understand exactly what the threat was and now she does and now she is fully committed and as 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 hopefully we'll see next week um one other thing about that uh about that scene was uh Danny actually sees John's scars and she sees the you know where he was stabbed in the heart and that's something that I I kept wanting 
those two characters to actually talk about and i still want them to actually talk about and i think that 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 conversation is a bit of a casualty this of this season's um sped up pace is that we haven't gotten that that moment where they actually do talk about it because you know davos says right away you know he took a knife in the heart for his people and john when danny asks john about it they he kind of pass tries to play it off as oh it's just a figure of speech he was getting excited and ex- exaggerated but no it, it literally happened and and i think um i think that's a conversation they should have had and and at the very least now she knows that it's true and i'm pretty and sure they will have it though i hope does so. that not show you that it's building up to a conversation at some point because there's been a lot so. of allusions to it i i hope so i hope i hope it is but um you know they they haven't spent a lot of time talking about how John has been resurrected just in general on this show, um, and this was the first time I think really since it happened that they've kind of dealt with it in a in in any sort of way, uh, but between her noticing the scars and um, his conversation with Thoros, not Thoros Barrack. Um, all right, uh, I, I said that was the last thing. One more thing because we can't not talk about this before we get to the uh the, the preview for the finale um the return again or the reunion i guess of uh john and benjen stark um i have to give it to the episode that was a pretty good uh it was a pretty good reveal um you know i, I was thinking you know i kept thinking you know john is going to be captured here something's going to happen to john and even though that's kind of what i would have rather happened <laughs> what i was hoping would happen um but when uh when you see in the distance that like swinging fire thing coming like that was a pretty that that to me was was the more like yes moment of the episode than even danny Mm. arriving on the dragon like because we knew the dragons were coming it was just a matter of of when not if uh but when uncle benjamin comes in there and he's swinging his flaming flaming lantern on the end of a on the end of a chain i was like i i think i said out loud uncle benjamin like i was so excited when it happened and then like uncle benjamin is like he gets off he's like take my horse and run and john's like uncle benjamin and that's the whole scene in there. <laughs> it goes by so. And then Uncle Benjamin dies. And Uncle Benjamin dies. In and dies. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine you're Jon Snow and you've spent the last six years <laughs> thinking Looking about for Uncle Benjamin. Uh, well, wondering what happened to Uncle Benjamin. And he didn't even get an answer. And he just shows up, and you see him for fifteen seconds, and then he actually dies. <laughs> like, I have to feel sorry for Jon. And again, that that's a com- that's something that I would have liked to have seen more of i would have liked it if if they could have escaped together and found why did he have to get out i don't i know it's for emotional impact yeah it's for emotional impact but (laughs) yeah he could have stayed on the horse fuck's sake yeah no i'm i'm with you i'm with you they should have they should have gone together and you know i'm getting off the horse is only wasting time anyway yeah kind of kind of um so again that's i think that's a casualty of, of just how fast the season is going um and and maybe if we had three more episodes some of these things that we were hoping for to hoping would play out and in, in um more depth actually would have but still it was a great moment i have to i have to give the show that because it was it was pretty exciting when he came riding in uh and and saved john and and uh you know it's a fitting way for him to go i mean even if we could have had a conversation between him and john i expect he 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 would have and should have died saving john because that kind of uh 
there's some poetic poetic uh justice there i think but still i <laughs> would have liked it if, if we could have had a little bit uh, a little a little bit more between those two characters uh but all right i think uh before we before we wrap things up for this week we should uh have a look at the preview for uh the Ooh. season seven finale And it is here. It's kind of fitting that, like, one of the first, one of the things we heard in the first trailer is, uh, uh, you know, the the but the thing about the war being here is uh, is is what's gonna is what they're using to to preview the finale. Um, I, I feel like next episode is gonna be incredible. Oh yeah, <laughs> well it's 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 titled "The Dragon and the Wolf." And its runtime is seventy nine minutes and forty three. Oh my! Seventy nine minutes and forty three seconds. Those forty three seconds are really what makes it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's like a movie on its own. Basically, yeah, it's like a short movie, um, which is going to be incredible. Uh, I'm glad I was worried it'd be like fifty minutes. And I was going to be <laughs> crying. No, they wouldn't are do that. Are you surprised too. by this though? No, with the potential meter. No, well, yes, that I'm surprised by. That, that makes it, I think, really exciting. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in in a season that's been so about the action, I mean, we've had six episodes and three of them have had pretty significant set pieces to them. You know, we had the, the dragon attack in, um, in episode four. We had the whites this episode, episode six. And we go back to episode two. We had um, had uh, the, the, the battle at sea with... Um, uh, with the the Greyjoys, and now, um, so in a, so in a season that's been so about the action, to kind of end it on a negotiation is is pretty is a pretty bold choice, and uh, yeah, I, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, I'm sure there will be some sort of some sort of action in here, uh, but still, to to go out with something like this is pretty incredible. Where we're gonna have, I think. For the first time, really, since the pilot, since you know, season one, episode one, we're gonna have so much of the principal cast in one place. It's really just Arya and Sansa; they're kind of off on their own, and possibly Sam. Uh, but really, I mean, you'll think back to the, you know the back at season one, we had everybody was basically everybody was at Winterfell, with the exception of Danny, who is in the east. Uh, and and so the, you know it it really does feel like we're almost almost coming full circle here to to have these to have all of to have so many characters in the same place. But yeah, uh, lots and lots of big big stuff. I'm sure will happen. Uh, predictions. What do you think? What are we going to see? What's the result of this no- negotiation? Well, I think there will be more casualties on the Deadpool. I think next episode will determine who is going to be on yeah. top. <laughs> 
I tell you what, a big surprise as well. Just seeing Grey Worm at the beginning of the trailer, just like, oh, so he's fun. And yeah. Nothing happened at Carly Rock to well, worry about. So many of these characters, like, have just disappeared for the last couple of episodes. You mentioned Grey Worm. Yeah. Um, we'll, we see Theon again. Theon, we haven't seen yeah. Theon in a couple episodes. You can bet Euron will be there. You can bet Yara will be there. Like, we're going to have to deal with some of these things that they've kind of just, like, shunted off to the side that were kind mm. of important in the that first episode. That is one of the weaknesses of this past episode. Just a small bit, which is, you know, the King's Landing story is just gone. And, it, and then that, now we've got to get back to it. Mm-hmm. After you've seen the White Walkers, I know it is important, but it just doesn't seem as important, does it? Really? <laughs> I guess maybe that's the point they're going to try and put to people when you know Danny and John are going to definitely be like, "Hey, look, what are you talking about? The Game of Thrones doesn't mean anything." Maybe that's part of the audience process as well. But anyway, the I because I, I I don't know why I just didn't see it this whole meeting happening. But what I am no, going to predict yeah. is that there's no way. That Cersei's going to go into that meeting <laughs> without a plan. Yeah. There's going to be a plan there. And the other thing, actually, I haven't seen the mountain yet. I mean, what has he done this season? He kind of, yeah. I want to see some action. He He's got to get involved. He kind of intimidated Alaria, um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's about all he's done. Well, Euron as well. Euron well, as well. he was intimidated, more just wary. Mm-hmm. But if but, you compared it to last season, where I felt the mountain just had such a presence everywhere yes. Cersei went, he was there. This time I'm like, well, where is he? What has he been doing? Mm-hmm. You know, Kyburn's been off on the sidelines a little bit. Like maybe it shows that they're not the kept the focus at this point. Yeah. But casualty wise, if Cersei's got to go, mm-hmm. she's off. Dare and do, do I? Much everything with her. Do I dare say the words Cleganebull? <laughs> maybe the, the, the well, hound he's going down. He's south, going down he? south. There's there's that one shot that nobody understood in one of the trailers that shows the hound down south drawing his weapon, and I went back and looked at it. It looks like it's in that location. Uh, well, the yeah. other interesting thing as well is going down south that we sort of skirted around a little bit is Brienne of Tarth. Yeah. So another reunion with Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if, if if Podrick goes with her, Podrick and Tyrion together again. Yeah, and Bronn. <laughs> and Bronn. Um, There's I'm, a lot of good reunions. Like you say, it's going to be just a little bit like speechless, just seeing all of these people and characters together. Yeah. Um, and you know, are, are we? Who who do we think that anybody's going to switch sides? Well, um. Maybe it all depends. It all it all depends. Cersei is the linchpin here. It all depends on what happens with her, and if she falls, then I think there's enough of a connection between all the other characters that they will be willing to work together. Um, if she falls, then I think Jamie would be willing to work with Tyrion. And if and if Jamie's going, Bronn's going, and he would obviously be be fine with working with Tyrion. Uh, uh, Brienne, like you said, she's going to be there. So she's basically she's basic. She's there as Sansa's representative, who is Jon's rep- representative. So like, really, she's she's there to support Jon. Um, although we could that, that would be some interesting tension if uh, if if Brienne goes up to Jon is like, hey. 
why haven't you written us? What's been going on? What we don't we we haven't had any word from you. What that could be the revelation, couldn't it? That you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be like, hey, I was writing. What the hell? And then we cut to Winterfell. Um, yeah, so so the, if it all it all depends. If if Cersei falls, then I think we get. You know, we talked about last week or this week being the ultimate team up. I think next week could really be the ultimate team up if if Cersei falls, and and um, that all depends. I think on. Uh, uh, and then, then everything depends on that. That's the big question. Mm. So, and then, and then one other thing, I guess, is one shot, just one shot of a whole completely different storyline that is concurrently happening at this stage, which is Sansa looking out over the wall. What do you think she's pondering about in this trailer? I think, um, I think, little, I think, well. here's here's <laughs> my here's my theory: is that shot? She's pondering. She's off pondering. And Littlefinger comes up behind her and is like, "Oh, what's going on here?" About it, you know, does all, starts doing his little finger thing, and then she turns around and she's got Arya's da- dagger and just stabs him. Just and and that's and then we'll we'll have the reveal that uh, that they had a plan or they've come up with a plan, and uh, that's the end of him. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe. <laughs> that's that's a pretty that's a bit. I mean, there is nobody else in that scene, but yeah, I'll, I'll take your point. <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, she's standing there, and then he walks up. But um, I may be, I you know, I'm, I I don't think that's actually how it's going to play out in that in that specific moment. Uh, but it's definitely um, yeah, I I I don't know that the Winterfell stuff. I feel like with the King's Landing stuff, we have a bit of a sense of what will happen. There'll be a there'll be some debating and people will will argue and they'll show the white and all this stuff will happen eventually it'll lead to to some kind of confrontation perhaps Clegane Bull perhaps the mountain will face the hound once and for all um and you know the ending is a little bit up in the air about how it will end but with Winterfell I mean who the hell knows what's going to happen like it it could go any number of ways there so i um yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to. I don't know what to expect there. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Are we? Are we? Do we still agree? I think. Do we? Do we still agree that the last shot of next week's episode will be the wall coming down? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what. Like, that's what I'm hoping the end of this episode sets up. Really. Yeah. Um, I just. I just hope, hope. I just hope Ed gets out alive. I miss Ed. I want Ed to come back. <laughs> We haven't seen Ed in a while, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good, and uh, I think we can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to see it, and then talk about it here next week. And uh, with that, I think we'll begin to wrap things up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Before we go, just time for final thoughts and score out of ten on the episode Beyond the Wall. Kieran, over to you. Final thoughts and score out of 10. I love this episode. I told you my favorite of this season. So it's got to be a 9.7 out of 10. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do have a feeling that next episodes could be better. So I don't want to give it a 10 in case that's the case. But I love the action pieces at the end. They were fantastic. But all of that was because of a culmination of some great character development at the beginning of the episode, as I spoke about earlier, of the likes of the Brotherhood, Gendry, with John, um, and also some great character moments with Danny and Tyrion showing the fractious relationship between those two characters. 
I, again, the Winterfell stuff really has got a lot more interesting, you know? If I compared it to the beginning of the season when it was all hunky-dory and not much was happening, really, Winterfell was okay. But now, no matter what people say about the Arya Sansa stuff, even if they don't really like it, it doesn't half make it more interesting, though, doesn't it? Do you not want to see these sort of characters have a bit of a spite and a bit of an argument? And, it, and like you said, at, at the end of it now, it's all very unpredictable about what's going to happen in Winterfell. And then when it comes to the to Beyond the Wall stuff, I think that was just more action set pieces, but also the developing relationship between the likes of John and Danny in particular. Um, when we come to the end of the episode, it seems like they're a tight-knit bond and they really are a true alliance now. And, and I think that means they're in a very a much stronger position now that particularly Danny, I'm thinking of going into that meeting with Cersei than they would have been otherwise. And, and the other thing that I like about this episode is that it really does set things up. There was there were those jaw-dropping moments, in particular the dragon at the end, the Benjin return, and still, even though we knew the dragons were coming, that moment when they burst in, burst into flames, pretty much the 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 whites that were surrounding the the heroes on the island. I thought that was just a great moment. So, nine point seven out of ten, great great episode. Over to you, Dominic. Yeah, I, I um, what do I want to give this one? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I want to give it. I give it an eight. I give it an eight. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, like I said, I was a little bit underwhelmed by it. I don't know if the, if the hype was just too much that I bought into the hype. Uh, you know, all the stuff about going beyond the wall. If I, if I, have my own expectations kind of got in the way of my overall enjoyment because like I said I, I I was looking for more from this episode about the white walkers and the threat that they actually pose um or not even the threat that they pose but the their their reason their raison d'etre so to speak um so that that's what I was looking for and um and, and we didn't get that uh we did get a a, a pretty solid episode um with some some decent action again i i kind of felt like the the whites and the white walkers their their abilities were a bit undercut in this episode uh and and i would have hoped that that i hope that the next time we see them they're back to being the the more terrifying uh monsters that we saw in hard home and the door in the past two seasons um but yeah that that that's sort of my those are my criticisms but overall yeah i i, I did think the the Arya and sansa stuff uh if even though it's confusing especially that last scene was i found very very confusing i, I do think it's interesting what's going on there um and and i'm curious to see what happens next i, I would love to see more of the 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 Tyrion uh danny dynamic explored um and uh and of course uh I, I can't wait to see how things play out in this big negotiation. That's not where I thought this season was going, but that's definitely a situation where I'm, I'm glad uh, that the show still has some surprises left for us. So yeah, looking forward to next week, the wolf and the dragon. Ooh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So uh, don't forget, set your DVRs or try to tune in live so you don't have to get spoiler reports <laughs> from your friends uh, the night after it airs um but do uh do check out the episode do do uh do um do uh make sure you tune into our episode next week to, to to listen to that to listen to our thoughts um to do so make sure you subscribe on itunes uh 
or uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Watcher Westeros or like us on Facebook. Uh, just search for Watchers of Westeros there. Uh, you can also find new episodes at RadioFreePodcasting.com. We're part of the Radio Free Podcasting Network. There's plenty of other great shows that you can tune into over there like Geek Radio. Uh, how's Annie for all of you? Uh twin peaks fans that's there we go that's the word uh there's hollywood and vine amateur pod um and uh, and a new one the canto bite dispatch for all of you star wars fans you should check that out uh also for star wars fans you should check out my other show um star wars underworld as well weekly star wars podcast uh you can find it by going to starwarsunderworld.com or by subscribing on itunes and google play uh every week we uh talk about the latest star wars news so last week we talked about the news that an obi-wan kenobi movie might be in development and uh that we may have a director this week we'll be talking about plenty of new things like the news that michael k williams has been cut from the han solo movie uh you'll have to tune in to hear uh hear thoughts and uh discussion about that that's uh starwarsunterworld.com new episodes uh, are uh, released every friday uh you can follow us personally on social media i'm at dominic j25 kieran is at c duggan six and uh yeah make sure you tune in next week for the finale it's going to be a great show thank you everybody for listening so long for now It's a wrap.